2: Welcome back to the 19th T Podcast, Droods, with you for this episode. No KM, the poor fella, is a bit crook. He misses out on a big episode, episode 150, a milestone for our podcast. Of course, we say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened along the way, everyone who's downloaded, bought a shirt, told some mates about the podcast, keep uh, supporting us because we really appreciate it. We've got some fantastic things lined up for the summer. Fingers crossed everything goes according to plan re-COVID and the Australian golfing summer. Of course, we do have a uh, quite an exciting announcement to make at the back end of this podcast as well. I'm not alone though. I am joined by a man who's been a guest on the podcast previously. He absolutely loves his golf. He's a wonderful sports reporter and his name is Daniel Garb and I'm very, very pleased to have him on board tonight's episode garby welcome thanks for joining us on the 19th day
0: your first time as a co-host mate mate the uh the member sheet was was booked up and then there was a late scratching the pro shop called me and i couldn't get you quick enough to tee it up and be a part of the uh be a part of the show to make my uh official hosting debut but uh, very much as a fill-in so uh delighted to be here mate it's um it's good fun i really enjoyed being on the show when i was as a guest Love talking golf. So, uh, yeah, pumped that you asked me to be involved. I feel very (laughs) honoured.
2: Well, we are very uh, honoured to have you back on, mate. And we're going to talk plenty of golf. There's uh, heaps of stuff that's happened across the week. Of course, the Wyndham Championship uh, going into a six-man playoff. Uh, Scotty getting close. There was drama on the Corn Ferry Tour. It always gets exciting to the end of this year, the LPGA and, of course, the Ladies European Tour over in Scotland, plus the European Tour. There was heaps happening, but the main story of the weekend probably in your life might have been the Derby over the weekend (laughs) here in the West, mate. Uh, The Dockers getting the jump on on the Eagles here. Uh, Eight goals in the first quarter and they weren't able to claw it back, mate. Give us your 30-second rundown on on the Eagles'
0: performance yesterday. Uh, I mean, just another pathetic... (laughs) situation whereby they just let teams run over them and take the game away from them in a quarter of football. It's happened like 10 times a season mm. where one quarter has decided a West Coast Eagles game and pretty much every time in the negative. So yeah, hard to cop in that sense. Honestly, one of the more disappointing West Coast Eagles seasons in history. Mm. Like so much talent to miss out on the finals, which I'm pretty sure they will do from here, is just hard to accept. So he's got a lot of work to do, Adam Simpson. Absolute mm. surgery on that team from top to bottom mentally um, game plan wise etc he's got an enormous task in the off season. I'm fascinated to see what he and the club do from here well the big
2: question a uh, few people are posing is is he going to be in the seat next year Garby what do you think
0: I think he will be yeah I, I think they'll back him in the last time he was under pressure not this much um, was 2017 and he rejigged things and came back and won a flag the next year so he's got good form in that respect he's got a long-term contract Unless he decides to walk away, which I can't see happening either, the club won't make the move on him. But he's—you better have a good plan. That's for sure. You better have a really good plan on on what to do from here, because if it carries on like this for you know halfway through next season, then I think he will be gone.
2: And of course, the EPL. I mean, we are a golf podcast, but we can't have you on and not chat uh, a bit of EPL up the very front here. Of course, getting underway again. over the weekend, my Everton getting uh, past Southampton 3-1, but uh, plenty of other interesting storylines. I guess Brentford uh, beating Arsenal 2-0 is not the uh, the ideal start
0: for the Gunners. No, what a great weekend it was. I mean, not one draw, pulsating games, high-quality football. There's no doubt that the crowd had a huge impact, full crowds back. It's as if the players lifted their performance you know in line with that, it was awesome to watch. And, and it started with a cracker. Brentford back in the Premier League for the first time in 74 years, knocking off the gunners who are in a world of trouble. Man City and Chelsea to come. You know, rumors that Aubameyang and, and Lacazette were left out of the team because of ill discipline, not mm. actual illness, and poor <laughs> presentation at training. I mean, that just shows what sort of situation they're in, if that is true, even without that, their team was woeful. Um, so they've got big problems but uh, Liverpool, United, Chelsea all look fantastic You know, hit the ground running with brilliant performances uh, Man City a big surprise Tottenham showing they might have a fair bit to offer this season how does the Harry Kane situation play out now just a wonderful start to the weekend so Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Can't wait for the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, I think you tweeted out your predictions the other day, and I had to correct you that uh, Everton actually finished seventh perennially. So, um, just <laughs> needed to make sure that that one was uh, was rectified for uh, for your list
0: for moving. I was forward. happy. I was happy. Rafa, Rafa got off to a winning start. I, I, as a Liverpool fan, I love him still. I was lucky enough to interview him a couple of times when I was in the UK. Managed to actually develop a little bit of a relationship with him, mm. um, and. Yeah, it was funny. When he got the Chelsea job, I applied for an interview with him and, and they said no, and then I emailed Rafa myself and I got a reply from the club <laughs> the next day saying, oh, yeah, Rafa's actually um, approved your interview. So the club was like surprised. Like, how the hell did that happen? I'm like, yeah, well, we actually got to know each other a little bit over the last few years. So I'm really happy for him that he got off to a start because he's a he's a top man and he's obviously up against it with the fans there, but hopefully he does well. It's yeah, It was pleasing to see him get a win first up.
2: Well, I uh, I was very happy to see the toffees get up as well. You spoke about the crowds before, mate, uh, and I think one sport that's really relished the crowds coming back is the golf, which is obviously what we are here to dissect and uh, the Wyndham Championship over the, the weekend or, or the week uh, just gone. But I think more broadly, having had the crowds back across the past sort of three months, I think it's really lifted the game and I think it's really uh, elevated some players' performances. Specifically for Aussies, you look at Mark Leishman, I know he hasn't been in great form, but... He's a player that really relishes having the crowds back. And I I think you can probably see that across a number of different players.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it makes such a a big impact in terms of the excitement around the place and a bit of pressure, a bit of tension. Um, It's fantastic. And, yeah, I really enjoyed the golf at uh, at the Olympics, but it was missing a little bit without the crowd. I mean, I thought Mm. it was a fantastic event. But to see them back around the world now, maybe not in full force, but – Getting there is, um, is fantastic. So, yeah, the Wyndham was excellent. Really enjoyed the kazoo in Europe as well. Um, great to see Bryden McPherson, who I'm keen to talk about a bit later, um, do well in that tournament. He's a really interesting story and, uh, and a few others too. So, and Adam Scott, I mean, that was a big one from the Wyndham. Great to see him contending again because he's had a really lean time since the pandemic began, really. This is, his, mm. I would imagine, just about his best finish since uh, since it all started.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I reckon we'll we'll touch on Scotty, but it'd be remiss of us not to begin with our winner in Kevin Kisner. I mean, Kis is a, uh, he's not a polarizing guy, but I think uh, everyone's got an opinion on on Kevin Kisner and, and you talk about form lines of Scotty and and you look at Kevin Kisner. I mean, there's a lot of miscuts throughout this this year. He missed at the Masters, the RBC Heritage, Zurich Classic, Valspar, PGA Championship, Palmetto. Um, and then he's put together a couple of nice performances uh, sort of in at the end of June and early July, but has not really shown a great deal. So I think it was a, a fair surprise to see Kevin Kisner holding the trophy at the end. And, and certainly there would have been plenty of Aussies, or I would imagine all the Aussies, uh, cheering Adam Scott on for that, that uh, putt to drop, but unfortunately not to be. But uh, congratulations to Kis, I guess.
0: You know, you say it's a surprise that he won. If you look at his form line coming in, so he'd finished top ten in three of the last four tournaments at the Wyndham. This is true, <laughs> and three top tens in his last five events. So his form line was really good. In fact, if you were betting and you weighed all that up, Kevin Kisner's the standout. <laughs> <laughs> and then he and you know, I understand what you're saying. You know, he, he seems like he was falling off the top level of of golfers out there. And like you go into majors, and a lot of guys would have Kevin Kisner as their smokey, right. And the last hmm. couple of years you've seen him dropping off that smoky list. Now nah, I can't rely on kids anymore. I can't rely on him anymore, but you know, this event, that course when it suits him and he made that famous comment a few months ago when he said, you know, there's there's some courses I just can't win at. And the, the journalist said, well, why do you play them? He said, well, they pay a lot for 20th, <laughs> but when it does suit him, Clearly, he can put it all together like he did at the Windham. So, yeah, I think he's shown he's still got a fair bit to offer when things suit him. I think that's the key with Kevin Gisner. He's pretty realistic that he doesn't have the game to play everywhere. But when the place is set up and he gets, you know, puts the ball down on that first team, he thinks, all right, I like this place, then he can contend still and he can win big tournaments. So, I think that's probably the key to studying his form line now. Well, yeah, his fourth victory. Uh, obviously, a WGC
2: winner as well, won the match play back in 2019. But the thing that stood out, I mean, Obviously, uh, finishing at 15 under aside um, the other players in Kevin Na, Brandon Grace, Siwoo Kim, Adam Scott and Roger Sloan. Uh, going into the playoff, I mean, his record was 0-5 before today. Um, so I think everyone probably, if you were a betting man, as you spoke about, you'd probably be pretty comfortable in picking one of those other five players to to be holding the trophy at the end. But uh, held his nerve, I guess.
0: Well, certainly, and that's a fair point. He did make a comment afterwards yeah, i listened to Kisner speak before in depth and he, he plays a lot of games with his friends, like the yeah. same as we would. He plays those games a lot and they give him a handicap of, he doesn't have a handicap, right, as a pro, but then they give him a handicap of plus six, <laughs> which, you know, they all they claim is generous anyway. But um, plus six or plus seven to play with his mates. And he said, it, it felt like I was playing like a six ball with my friends down the stretch. And that's Mm. why I was able to relax. And he said, you're all analyzing so much why I won and why this guy didn't. He said, I I just, the stress was off. And I just felt like I was having fun out there and and I managed to get up and that's all it boiled down to. So putting himself in that headspace probably helped. But, you know, Scotty, obviously it sucks that he didn't win, but to have Siwa Kim, Brandon Grace and Adam Scott in that playoff, isn't that another massive tick for the President's Cup international team? Yeah. Like I just think, I think the drought's going to end in Canada next year. I really do. I think they are building so well, the internationals and they're getting such a, they're getting a lot of depth now. They might not have the top end quality of the Americans, but when Trevor Immerman sits down to select his team, he's got serious depth to choose from there. Every week there's another international player popping up and contending. We saw Abraham Anser win the week before. I think we're going to take it to the Yanks next time around in the internationals. I think it's all just moving in the right direction. Certainly hope so. I mean, there was uh, three Canadians in the top ten as well, which is also.
2: Very helpful. I mean, yep. you, you talk about the President's Cup, and I mean, I uh, haven't seen the updated rankings as of today. I would suggest that Scotty's clearly flown up, but there's no Australians in the automatic qualifiers at this stage. I know we are more than a year away at this point yeah. in time, but uh, hopefully we can get a few few in there. Speaking of representative golf, uh, I mean, it seems that every winner between now and or, or over the past few months and over the next week and a bit until we start to get some uh, certainty around the Ryder Cup, gets in the conversation for should they be picked in the Ryder Cup. So I, does Kiz get a, a look in off the back of, I guess, one decent performance? I mean, I know you mentioned his, his top tens at the Travellers and the Rocket Mortgage, but is that enough for warranting him in the,
0: in the Ryder Cup conversation? I wouldn't have thought so. There are too many names ahead of him. I think you'd have to go on some crazy run between now and, and when the selections are in, but... No, I mean you look at the top ten: DJ Morikawa's and uh, JT Bryson, Brooks Cantlay, Harris English is now number ten in the world. Mm. Jordan Spieth, it would be a great chance. Lock, yeah. he's not in on, on points to be a captain's pick. You know, Berger. No, there's way too many players before you get to Kiz. <laughs> Kiz is Kiz is thirty four in the world. You'd have twenty five Americans almost before yeah. him. Um, no, he's he'd have to win like. Two tournaments in a row to be a sneaky chance of a captain's pick, I reckon. I
2: tend to agree. I tend to agree. I mean, he's a guy that I often think about having represented the U S in Ryder Cups and president's cup. And it's completely wrong. He's represented. He was on the 2017 president's cups team. And that's, that's, that's it. it. So yeah, right. He's a, uh, he's a guy that I always thought had was playing a lot more rep golf, but uh, not, not the case. Let's talk about Scotty. Um, mm-hmm it was a tough watch wasn't it seeing that part I mean he kind of never looked comfortable I mean checked the greens book a couple of times and it just seemed like a fairly simple four to five
0: footer I just wonder if after some of the troubles he's had recently whether he just tensed up a little bit I mean it's an easy thing to say anyone can miss a putt like that we've seen a million times before but you know, before the pandemic hit, he was in such a great space, won a big tournament, um, you know, and then he comes back to Australia, probably mistimes his return to the States and just hasn't got going for him since. Set a couple of okay finishes in majors, a couple of really poor performances. Maybe he just tensed up over a putt to win it and, um, you know, the, de- the desperation to get over the line just maybe got the better than him. I-, I don't know, but it was a great opportunity, a big shame. But all in all... Just great to see him contending again and back up there again because that's going to give him a lot of confidence. I think that you know he's not done with yet off the top table. There probably were a few people thinking, "Is Adam Scott going to contend in majors again?" Mm. And a fair few people thinking, oh, "I don't think so. I think maybe his time's gone." Look, I'm not saying I don't think he'll be a regular contender, but I think now that he, I think he's on the wrong side of forty. Just. Mm-hmm. I think he can still jump up. I think he can have, he can put good weeks together in big tournaments and majors and and have his name up the top of the leaderboard still. That was the key message I think out of that tournament that he's he's certainly not done with yet. That was a good sign. Well, I think his swing's going to hold up.
2: You know, I, yeah, I when well, he hits it
0: long enough, doesn't he?
2: He does, and and I don't think he puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on his body either yeah. through through the golf swing. Um, so I think that he's got that on. On his side, but it's it's interesting. You look at um, the way that Scotty plays, and and I saw a great piece uh, today that that spoke about the time taken for him to hit that putt between his between the the putt and the previous shot was something like thirteen to fourteen minutes because there were so many people obviously playing in in the yeah. group, and clearly that's going to affect anyone. I mean, I know playing on the weekend, um, we were yeah. making great time, and you catch up to the group in front of you, and then all of your momentum that you've started building. Yep. goes away except the difference is i'm not playing for about five million dollars so um you can certainly relate so I, I wonder if that contributed to it and you know his putting's been something that he's been criticized for recently or probably in the last 18 months people have certainly asked questions but he ranks 20th on the, on the tour for strokes gained putting at just under half a shot which is kind of surprising to me because it's something that i've i still get nervous watching him put put it that way
0: yeah he's He's just a bit hot and cold as a putter. I think when he gets on a good run, he can he can match it with the best. But when he's not going well, it can it can stay that way. So you know, I think everything ever since he's gone to the broomstick, his putter's improved dramatically, and he's overall he's pretty good at it. But there's always that stigma attached to him that he's not a great putter. Mm. Um, and I think it's because sometimes he he tends to have really lean weeks. But you know, I think when he's going well, his putting's as good as anyone's. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great point about. The waiting time in between shots it would be very hard to stay focused and no doubt those thoughts of winning a tournament again and how good would it be to win one again and show everyone that i'm not done with that that must have entered his head as Mm -hmm. experienced and accomplished as he is and uh, maybe just got the better of him in a in a key moment unfortunately we now get into
2: the fedex cup playoffs with the northern trust and then the bmw and the tour championship i mean he jumps up a massive uh, amount of places in, in the FedEx Cup. He goes from uh, 121 to, to 82, which helps him out. He's still got to put in some good performances uh, in the first week to be able to get through the Northern Trust. But it's it's hard to see someone like Scotty, even though he's put in a really good performance this week, it's hard to see him winning one of these big tournaments at the moment. I guess this goes to the point that you were just talking about there, that you know maybe he's still got a bit of gas left in the tank, but it is... Becoming
0: hard to see him winning one of these big tournaments or another major. Yeah, no, it is. I agree. I I don't really have full confidence um, that he can do that, but possibly. I think Cam Smith really is the only strong chance I give us when it comes to to big majors at the moment. I think Leisha's got it in to get it back, and I think the likes of Lucas Herbert and Cam Davis will get up there soon enough. Um, But Smith's the one. I think he's separated now from the rest. And he's the only Aussie that you go into these tournaments and you're like, yeah, Cam Smith can win. I feel really confident he can win if he if he starts the tournament well, whereas the others, the form line just seems to be a level below. Yeah, I, I definitely tend to
2: agree. I think it's uh, – and, I mean, it's funny. We look at the, the Open Championship and we had Leash really penciled for – a good performance there having played in Warrnambool in windy, windy conditions and we thought yeah. that that might suit him and then even going back one more to Tory Pines a course that he absolutely loves and has mm-hmm. won at previously and, and hasn't shown up at both occasions so I think you know perhaps it's a bit of external pressure getting to leash in that time but I, I tend to agree I think Smithy is our out and out leading Australian golfer at this time there's no doubt that we've got some great talent in, in the guys like Lucas Herbert and yeah. Minwoo Lee and the others um, snapping at their heels, but uh, I agree that Smithy is going to be the uh, the leading contender for maybe a little while at least. I would. I'll
0: just ask you, mm. Nathan, where do you sit on the extra prize money for winning the FedEx Cup? What's your What's your view on that? Because I, it's something that's always irked me a bit. Yeah, the, the FedEx
2: Cup in general just needs a shake up, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, I, I don't love it. I, I mean, it feels like we just throw out a lot of cash. At, on the PGA Tour for for things. I mean, we saw the PIP being introduced earlier this year and um, clearly trying to uh, uh, save the PGA Tour in many ways from this breakaway Saudi Tour. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I don't I don't love it. I mean, it's a lot of money that I think could be distributed on other events throughout the year or, or even filtered down to the Corn Ferry. Is that yeah. sort of aligned
0: to your thinking? Yeah, I, I think it's – I mean, look, the FedEx Cup, I don't think, gr- grabs the attention of the non golf nutter, no. you know, if, you, if you're a golf nutter, you understand it. The rest, if I try to explain to my mates what the FedEx Cup is, they'll be like, what are you talking about? Mm. I don't get it. Well, the best player, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. And then better.
2: try explaining the handicapping system that yeah. comes into I mean, just, to a championship that you can start just, six shots ahead.
0: I don't rate it. And then when you've got the money at the end, so I remember, you know, the first time I, I heard about it, like, so hang on a second. So the best player who's already won all these tournaments and won lots of money for winning these tournaments then gets a bonus... <laughs> Of some crazy amount of money on top of that, so he gets an extra bonus for winning all the money he's won previously. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's sickening to be honest. Like, it really is.
2: It is, and I, I think that's where you look at, you know, some of the other tournaments. I'm just looking through the uh, through the schedule this year. It'd be great to to really elevate some of these other tournaments so that there are no weak patches throughout the year. We we look at tournaments throughout the year and we go, "Oh, it's a, it's really a victim." Of, of scheduling because no one really cares. Something like the RBC Heritage at Harbour Town, which is fantastic to watch. It falls after the Masters, but I'm sure if you increase the purse, there's going to be you're going to get more people playing. But ultimately, I would love to see it filter down to the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, I think that's where uh, if if you can build a strong second tier uh, in inverted commas, uh, a strong second tier of golf, I think you really. Um, just ex- expedite the the quality that comes through to the PGA Tour.
0: No doubt. I mean, yeah, it's see that the best players would they even care about the mon- the monetary bonus? Like they'll take it, of course. But that's not why they play. That's not why the best fifty in the world play anymore. They've all won stupid money. Mm. Like if you gave them some sort of you know grand trophy for winning it, they'd probably be happy with that, and you know some money on top or either say so, yeah, cool. But they don't care about that extra extravagant bonus. I mean, that money should definitely go down to junior golf or to to extra money on the Corn Ferry tour to guys who are living in cars and living and staying in motels and scrounging for food just to get around. Um, I I just, it it doesn't sit well with me and and never has. No, Uh,
2: and I think it's a really good call out. I think it's a really good call out. who else did you want to touch on from the Wyndham Championship? I mean, I know we haven't touched on a few guys that uh, played in the the playoff, but uh, uh, Kevin Na, Brandon Grace, Siwoo Kim, and, and Roger Sloan were all in the playoff today. I mean, I, I was impressed with Siwoo Kim today. He shot a sixty four, six under sixty four to get himself into the playoff. It ultimately couldn't get it couldn't get it done. But uh, were there any other names that jumped out at you off the leaderboard? CT
0: Pan's name always jumps up, up to me. I know he was a fair <laughs> way down tied 29th, but I love CT Pan. I was so happy watching him win bronze over Marikawa at the Olympics. I just think he's such a he's so great for golf. I really do. His story's a wonderful one. Yeah, he's a fair way down the leaderboard. But good to see him have another tournament of notes yet again. Cameron Percy, um, mm. to make the cut, minus eight, tie for 37. Um, that's a really good finish for the Aussie. You know, he he'll take a lot of confidence from that. And some handy winnings as well for him to to make the cut and and finish up there. That's a, that's a good tournament. Matty Jones made the cup but uh, but finished a long way back at at even. But I think Cameron Percy is a really good Australian story to come out of this tournament, along with Scotty.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and he's a guy that we've mentioned his name uh, a little bit just purely for in this sort of context around you know having good performances, uh, not really contending, but having good mm. solid performances. And I think you know that's probably where. Cam Percy's at in in his career, un- unfortunately, but um, you know he's playing some some nice golf uh, as well. The one I did want to mention as well was Chesson Hadley. Now he had a sixty-two today, including an ace on the sixteenth, uh, which I think won him. A million Wyndham points which is um so you can get hotels and, yeah. and things like that which is uh, a, a wonderful price I'm sure uh, but the the ace his celebration not sure if you saw this Garby but uh, did you see his celebration where he it was know. he was he went absolutely mental when he <laughs> when this uh, ace dropped it kind of just trickled in and ran off the tee box and jumped in the air and uh, it's on the PGA tours uh Instagram you'll have to go and go and check it out but I uh, thought that was worth yeah. calling out for a 62 as well I had a 29 on the, on the back nine so nice um stuff. it's a pretty handy handy day out
0: but now, um, I wanted to I wanted to touch on Kevin Streelman, who mm-hmm. finished top 10 again I yeah. mean is this guy having a year or what <laughs> He's been unbelievable Streelman. so he finished he almost won the um the, safe way. the PGA he finished tied for 8 in the end so yep. he you know he was right up there at the end you know, he was, he was right up there in the lead going into the final round. He finished mm. tie 20 in the open, but again, was was right up there in the end. I mean, this is a guy who's 42 years of age now, who's battled his way around the tour and has now hit his peak at 42. And like top tens for him are just regulation at the moment and good finishes in majors. He's one, <laughs> of, the sto- he's one of the stories of the season without a doubt.
2: They are. I mean, maybe that gives hope to, uh, to Scotty after all uh but yeah no look it's, it's a great call out he's i'm looking back at his his season here. t7 at the windham as we spoke about t19 at the open championship he, he's really uh had a lot of top 15 finishes throughout the year i mean got real close uh at the safeway um at the end of last year um to finish t3 but he's He's a guy that I think that obviously doesn't get a, a great deal of love. I mean, hes uh, I'd I say a lot of people think he's past his prime, but he's certainly showing that that's not the case at all. I mean, 55th ranked in the world, 53 in the FedEx Cup. He's, um, he's had a
0: handy year. Yeah, he was 133 in the world at the last waste management in Phoenix, mm. and he's now come in to 54th in the world in that time. So, <laughs> you know, that's in just over a year. He plays a lot. But Jesus paid off. Um, yeah, he's a ripper. He's, he's like he's the unsexiest golfer out there, gentlemen. <laughs> and he's putting some good numbers together.
2: I tend to agree. I tend to agree. <laughs>
0: uh, of course, this is all getting towards
2: the FedEx Cup season, uh, the end of season race with the three big tournaments, as I mentioned: Northern Trust, BMW, and, and the Tour Championship. Of course, DJ absolutely annihilating the Northern Trust uh, last year, but. It is always a, a, a bit of fun to watch the bubble, I guess, the top 125. So um, Justin Rose misses out. He's the, the number 126, but a few players jumping in. Chess and Hadley uh, jumped in from 132 into 125. Um, Scott Pearce, 126 to 116, which was fantastic to see as well. So And Roger Sloan uh, was the big winner. He went from 131 to 92, but in that same vein, there are always people who miss out, and that's Ryan Armour, Patrick Rogers, and Bo Hogue. So it is interesting to watch around that top one twenty five. Some big names to miss out yet again: Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood. It's a, wow. it's a tough, uh, a tough scene to see some of these names on on the outside. I mean, yeah, look, Justin Rose at one twenty six. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he'd love to be there.
0: Now this is interesting. I mean, he's, he's starting to build in the right way. I don't think he'll be devastated by that because I think he knows he's heading in the right direction. And maybe just timed his run a little bit too late and started getting into some form too late in the season. Fleetwood's an interesting one, isn't he? Mm. Like, where's he at? Maybe he hasn't, you know, he's, he, he's mixing up tours a bit and maybe that's affecting him, but he just, um he's gone off the boil a bit and going into the Ryder cup. He's a fascinating story. Like, how does he go? Because he almost doesn't belong there on form. Well, I, w- I would agree. I would.
2: I would certainly say on form he doesn't agree. Uh, or he, he doesn't really fit in the puzzle for the mm. Europeans. I think. I think there's going to be a few players within the European squad that are going to get picked based off merit uh, and past performances at at the Ryder Cup. And uh, I mean, you look at Francesco Molinari. I mean, he's only uh, six spots down from Tommy Fleetwood on the uh, FedEx Cup rankings. So. There's certainly uh, a case to be made for a number of players to miss out, and uh, I think Padraig Harrington's going to pick a lot on previous experience. Um, I, I think there's going to be a, a very good mix of youth uh, that they're going to need some of this experience, like Tommy Fleetwood, even if he's not playing his best golf right now. Is he going to go to another level at the Ryder Cup? Uh, you would suggest he will, but uh, it's,
0: it's a massive if. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see the Northern Trust and how they go with this FedEx. I mean, it's a guy like Brooks Kepka. So, where do you reckon? Where do you reckon the FedEx Cup sits in his mind? Like we know how he juices and amps himself up come the majors, right? Mm-hmm. And just flicks a switch and goes into into beast mode for the majors. Do you reckon he does that for the FedEx Cup? Does that matter to him, or is it just like 50% Brooks mode? And hey, if end up playing really well and win great, but if not, well, who cares? I think it's probably the latter, but uh, we've spoken a lot about Brooks Koepka, and I
2: I think he's one player that is probably really driven by money uh, on okay. the tour, um, okay. and that's completely based off having watched him from the other side of the world. But mm-hmm. he seems like the, the sort of guy that wants to win big money uh, and big tournaments, and, and I certainly get that. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, I reckon you could survey most – Players on the PGA Tour, and they would rather tell you that they would win a, a major opposed to the FedEx Cup, uh, yeah. which oh, I think Brooks would be an easy one for that. He'd take a fifth major
0: over a FedEx Cup title, I would suggest. Yeah. The other interesting one for me going into this FedEx Cup is is Justin Thomas, mm. because you look at the the guys around him. So murakawa has gone past him now with a couple of majors. Mm-hmm. Dander just wins Olympic gold. You know, Bryson's always a big talking point. DJ's won a Masters recently. We know what Brooks can do. Justin was there at well number two. He's back to well number five. Just you start to wonder a little bit exactly where he's going to fit. Is he just having a little bit of a lean patch, and then he's going to rise again? I think I'm fascinated to see where he lands up in this little period. I, I like him in the FedEx Cup and. Maybe a little bit of him that's driven to say, like, oh, a couple guys have gone past me recently and won some big events. You know, when I was meant to be up there, I wonder if he fires up for this and just sends a little message. I've got a feeling about him.
2: I think he's he's an immensely talented golfer who, on his day, can beat anyone in the world. And and you could probably say that about everyone in the top ten there. But but there's something about JT that's a little different. what the question that me and Marci have posed to each other countless times is, is he lacking a bit of the mental fortitude to get it done? We've seen the amount of times that he's either been in contention after 54 holes and then not, not gone on and, and won, or he was either leading at one point and then fallen out of the race, or he had a really good chance and couldn't get it done. I, I tend to think that it might be some more mental component to his game as opposed to a skill a skill piece because he's certainly got the talent on the day and 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 you could cast the guy that's right above him in louis use into that i mean oh yeah we were we we tend to be very kind to louis uh because mm-hmm. we love him but uh you've got to start to to question the mental fortitude i guess for someone like a jt i mean he's i say this with he's only had one win uh this year but but so is a number of other players uh, around him and above him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, he seems – he's a frustrating guy to watch, JT. Yeah. that's the yeah, only I, I think that's the way that I can describe him is frustrating.
0: I think that's fair. If you look at his major record, so he's won the PGA in 2017. Now, it's going to sound ridiculous making this point, but Masters, best, best finish is fourth. U.S. Open, best finish tie for eighth. The Open, best finish tie for 11th. Mm. They're not great numbers, really, for a player of his quality and his status in the game. You would have thought there would have been a tie two somewhere there, yeah, you know, or a, at least a top three finish. Okay, fourth in the Masters is good, but I think there would have been something a little bit higher um at a U.S. Open than tie eighth or an Open Championship tie 11 So he just he gets around the mark and then he just fades a little bit late on. I'm not sure if it's mental or. Things just haven't worked out for him. I've no doubt he'll he'll have some bigger weeks to come. But it's just interesting going into this tournament because a few of the guys around him, notably Morikawa and Xander, have gone past him recently. Hmm. So I wonder if that drives him and he he now responds and he says, just hold on, boys, I'm still with you.
2: Yeah, he's got to be that way inclined, surely. I I mean, you don't play on the PGA Tour to finish perennially in, in the top 10, right? You want to be winning tournaments. And I think he's certainly driven... To be like that, I'm just – I questioned at some points in rounds of golf if he lacks the mental fortitude to, to get the job done. When the, when the going gets tough and, as Marshy says, when the whips get cracking, does, does he stand up? And, and at the moment, the answer is no. Uh, and, and similarly, as much as it pains me to say, you could throw Louis Ustazen into that conversation as well. Um, it's all well and good to have a, a really pretty swing and and be able to play great golf but if you can't do it when the the lights are on and the lights are shining bright then uh yeah it's it's it makes you, you get a reputation and i think jt's starting to get a little bit of that because people do question whether he's got the mental challenge and the mental hardness to to get the job done on the pga tour or or on the major circuit at, at the very best because he's
0: yeah.
2: on his day he's a phenomenally good golfer
0: yeah, really interesting. I mean, there's no doubt Louis lacks that. I mean, that's mm. just clear. He just doesn't mm. have killer instinct. Yeah. Um, does JT? He could do. He might not. I think it's, yeah, I think it's an interesting one to watch.
2: I think he does in in big team events. So yeah. at, at the President's Cup and watching him in person there, he was – when he wears the stars and stripes, it's completely different. Yeah. And, I think and, he's
0: got it. He just hasn't executed it yet.
2: Yeah. And that, I, I picked him to win the Olympics. I, I thought that he, that's where he would really stand up. And and to be honest, he was brutally disappointing, but um, yeah. who goes on to win the FedEx cup from here? Do you think, <laughs> I mean, it's right now your top 10 is Morikawa, Spieth, Cantley, English, Ram, Answer, DeChambeau, and Thomas and Burns. Of course, things will move around over the next two weeks and then we get a handicap system. So <laughs> throw a throw a dart at a dartboard and, yeah. and pick a name for me, Garvey.
0: will I'll, I'll go with Johnny Ram. Yeah, I think he's just he's in such a zone right now, and he, I think he knows the importance of capitalising when you're in that zone. I think he knows it's not going to last forever, as good as he is. And um, yeah, he's got to he's got to really try and sweep up everything he can while he's playing this well. So, yeah, I think he'll turn it on when it matters. I'll go with Johnny Ram. I think he's uh,
2: he's a great tip because all the court the next three courses that we play are going to set up really nicely for him. They're real, I mean Eastlake. You could make an argument for against this a little bit, but they're, they're generally pretty bomb and gouge most of these. So it's going to fit nicely into John Rams uh, into John Rams' game. I do like Colin Morikawa. His iron play is unreal. So oh, how good is it? It'll be a big watch on uh, on Morikawa, particularly if he can start with a. Uh, couple of shots over, you know, Jordan Spieth of Cantlay. Uh, it's going to be, going to be tough to mow Colin Morikawa down.
1: A quick break to hear from our good friends at Cobra Puma Golf, a leader in golf club innovation. They've unveiled the new King Tour irons to expand their King family of player irons. The tour cavity back shape is manufactured using metal injection molding technology to deliver the most precise shaping with incredibly soft feel that better players desire. Building off the popularity of the King MIM wedges, Cobra is implying MIM technology to a full set of irons for the first time and reinventing the way premium irons are designed and manufactured. In addition to the MIM process, the new King Tour irons incorporate technologies that drive precision, forgiveness, and excellent feel in a player's cavity back iron. So if you're interested in feeling like, well, one of the best iron players on the tour, and Ricky Fowler, look no further than the new Cobra King Tour irons with MIM technology. You can find more information at cobragolf.com.au. And follow the great team at Cobra Puma Golf AU on Instagram.
2: Let's talk Corn Ferry quickly. Uh, this is one of the, my favorite parts of golf, is watching the Corn Ferry tour list no, get no. Uh, really heated up towards the end of the season. And we saw the top 25 securing their PGA tour cards. Of course, there's some fantastic stories in here, none more from a, an Aussie perspective than Brett Druitt. Uh, gaining his card, which is fantastic to see, he gets back on the PGA Tour for the first time since 2017. So awesome to see! It's um, it's an exciting time to be able to watch golf, and and I think you see a genuine different level of emotion from these 25 guys. Anyway,
0: the best story for me outside of the Aussie, of course, that you mentioned, um, is David Skins, who is <laughs> yeah. just uh, if you don't if you're you know into your golf Twitter. Follow Monday Q info if you don't. Yeah. It focuses yeah. on Monday qualifiers. It's one of the best, one of the best
2: accounts going around. Yeah,
0: because they just tell all these stories and um, stories of guys who are battling away and probably going through hell just to try and win a tournament or get on the tour, and how difficult it is. So David Skims, who's skin sorry, who's an Englishman, has. Managed to secure a PGA Tour card for the first time. He has waited 16 years for this moment. Eight months ago during the pandemic when he couldn't play golf to try and survive, he started working for DoorDash, yeah. which is like an Uber Eats equivalent, Yeah, delivering food to keep his life and family afloat. He's 39 years old. Yeah. There is vision of him watching... Um, someone hit, have a shot from the 18th and they had to hold it out from the fairway and the look of fear on his face watching that shot, even though he knew it was very unlikely, you get to see him panicking and then he breaks down in tears, in complete, yeah. in complete tears of, of joy afterwards when he finally secured his card. These stories are great. Everyone loves them because everyone can relate to them and how difficult this game is. And there's probably 10,000 guys around the world trying to do the same thing and they've finally done it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's what you know. If you if you ever get bored of watching the PGA Tour, and and uh, you know we've seen a, a fair amount of emotion um, throughout the year, and, and first time winners, which has been fantastic. But if you ever get bored of watching that, just go and watch a bit of the Corn Ferry Tour because it's very very different. Um, you don't you don't get the big crowds, you don't get the big money, um, and it's a great story from from David Skins. Um, there is a guy on this list that his name just immediately jumps out that doesn't look particularly right on this list, and that's Will Zalatoris.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> Finishing ninth uh,
2: on on the uh, on the money list, which or the the points list rather, it's just bizarre that he wasn't. He doesn't have a PGA Tour card. He, he won't. He's uh, I saw his rank before, but he's not playing in the FedEx Cup Finals, obviously. Um, and won't be and isn't eligible to, to basically hold the PGA Tour card at the moment, but yet f- was outstanding at the Masters and it's just bizarre to see him finishing ninth on this points list.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. But, um, I mean, yeah, you scan through it, you're reading all these stories then Zella Taurus name pops up and you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, he's obviously the real So He could be in the Ryder Cup team potentially. Um, That's what he's playing at the moment. Um, Another one that stood out is the story of Ben Cole. So he won his first two Corn Ferry Tour events he ever played in 2012. Mm -hmm. Manages to win a a tour card as a result. He's probably thinking, this game's easy. I'll be on the tour for 10 years. (laughs) He lost his card the next year and has struggled after that. He's only just won it back nine years later. Is that not ridiculous? Imagine how hard those nine years must have been and where he thought his life was and where it was going. And he's probably had countless thoughts about giving golf up Mm. and he's battered his way to win it back. I mean, these stories are just the greatest. They're such, they're they're stories of resilience. I think you see that
2: across and and not just for these 25 guys uh, that we've um, spoken about or or on this list, but that extends to the broader PGA tour, excuse me. But, it's, these these 25 guys are, are really deserving. I don't think there's anyone on here that you go, oh, gee, they shouldn't, they shouldn't, uh, they don't deserve a PGA Tour card. I mean, Steven Yeager uh, finishing number one. That's his third trip to the Tour. I mean, Mito Pereira from Chile. Uh, he played for Chile in the Olympics, uh, teamed up with Joaquin Neiman in, in that. So there's <laughs> some great names on here that I think are going to really, um, I, I hope, relish their opportunities on the PGA Tour. And I, I hope to see them having some, success. Uh, I mean, I saw uh, one other name that jumped out it was Curtis Thompson, who's the older brother of LPGA superstar, Lexi Thompson. So there's some great names on here and some great stories that I think will be really interesting and fascinating to follow
0: once they uh, get on the PGA tour in a couple of months time. So no Smiley Kaufman. So he, <laughs> yeah. was he not near it? I, don't, I mean, he's still, I'm always every now and again, like every few months, I'll check up on Smiley Kaufman. Like what's he done? Has he managed to get any sort of run going? No. Doesn't look like it's going to happen no. for him, does it? Unfortunately,
2: no. I mean, it's there are so many names on here that you you look at and you just wish that they were closer to the top of the list. Someone like even Ryan Ruffles, um, you know, Jamie Arnold, the Aussie, uh, had a really great week this week at the um, at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, which was the the season ender for the Corn Ferry Tour. He finished, I think, in the twenties, t twenty one. Yeah, um, shot one over today, but you know, playing some nice golf and. Um, Unfortunately, for the, the remaining 100-plus guys or, or 200, 300-plus guys uh, on, on the Corn Ferry Tour, it's back to the drawing board and hope that they come back next year to yeah. get a, a PGO Tour card, which is super tough for, for, for
0: these guys. I, I imagine physically, mentally, um, it must be exhausting. Yeah, no, no doubt. It's, um, it's a brutal sport. But so when you hear these stories, you you just get pumped for them. Um, it's it's inspirational stuff. So good luck to them all. On the European tour, it was
2: the Kazoo Classic. Fantastic golf, uh, fantastic name, I should say. Uh, at the London GC in Kent, uh, won by Callum Hill, the Scot, at sixteen under over Alexander Levy uh, from France. Richard Bland continues his really good run of form. He finishes T3 at 14 under. <laughs>
0: he's the he's the European
2: streelman, Blandy. Oh, it, it's, it's actually quite bizarre. I was at the pub on Friday and having a beer and, and the uh, golf was on. And I, I said to my boss who I was uh, having a beer with, I said, mate, you won't believe this story. This bloke, 49 years old, played for however many hundred of tournament, broke through. Uh, for his first victory, and now can't miss the top ten. He's just—he's really riding the coattails of uh, of his win. Is is uh, Richard Bland, Dick Bland, of course we call him <laughs> in this podcast. But uh, Bryden McPherson finishing T twenty one. Garvey, tell us uh, about Bryden. Obviously, a, a fantastic summer uh, here in yeah. Australia, but uh, plying his
0: way now on the European tour. Yeah, great to see him finish tied 21 in a, in a big European tour event, and it follows on from his excellent form. He won the Order of Merit in Australia, didn't he? Yeah. For um, yeah, the so, summer, yeah. he was great. Yeah, he was up there in every tournament. So I follow him pretty closely because I was lucky enough to cover the the Open Championship a couple of times, which I mentioned when I mm. was on you as a guest. And the first one in 2014, Brydon McPherson was there having won his card through the Aussie Open. So he finished high enough in the Aussie Open and got a, a spot at the, the Open Championship. Uh, He shot 90 and 80 in his first two rounds. And he was, I'm sorry to say, he was the laughing stock of the event Mm -hmm. to shoot a 90. And I'm pretty sure he played with Tiger and shot a 90. So that's a really tough day Um, and can have a huge impact on on your career. I give him so much credit because anyone who's ever heard him speak, he's a really articulate guy, really smart guy, and explains and talks about the game in a brilliant way in a slightly abstract way at times. And I was just so impressed that he fronted up for press conferences on both days. And he knew that he would be a story for the negatives. And he knew that people were laughing at him. He'd probably be in the English tabloids. But he still fronted up and explained it. And I'll never forget him. Like we said, what's it like when you're playing like that in a major? And he said, honestly, what it's like is the fairway just looks this big. And he like pinched his fingers together like a millimetre apart. He said the fairway looks like a millimetre wide. Yeah, That's where my confidence was at. And you just felt so sorry for him. And, and that would have affected his career. Something like that knocks you about, no doubt. And your belief when it comes to making it at the top. And he shoot 90 and 80 in a major. But he's bounced back. And he's worked on his mental side of his game, obviously, and his technical side of his game. And he'll be so much better for that experience. And now he's up there finishing top 20 in European tour events. Fantastic. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully the,
2: that run of form can continue. I mean, as you mentioned, it's... He's obviously on an exemption at the moment, an affiliate A exemption there. But, you know, he's played – he hasn't played great uh, in his couple of tournaments over there. He's um, missed the cut in the Finnish Challenger and at the Modest Golf, uh, the, the World Invitational. But, you know, to finish uh, – yeah, T21, I hope it gives him a bit of confidence is, is the point, I guess, I'm trying to make, and, and that he can go on and play some nice golf. And it doesn't have to be – Finishing top tens every week. I think it's about building from where he is at the moment and how, if he can manage to get a a level of exemption or a a level of status on the European tour, it will give him an an enormous amount of credit because, I mean, as we've spoken about on this podcast, there's not a great deal of point in coming back to the uh, Australian tour at this point in time with six tournaments locked in. I mean, the country half in lockdown, half not in lockdown. So hopefully he can really put together a bit, of, uh, a bit of a run of form because, I mean, he's a guy that we'd love to see
0: go well because I think we saw glimpses of him in, in the summer particularly. Yeah, I mean, he, he seemed to have not only an excellent game, but he seemed to have a bit of confidence about him now. That's what I enjoyed watching in the Australian summer. He almost strutted around a little bit like, and I, and I quite admired it, like I'm better than you guys. Like I'm better than the guys on this tour. I belong overseas. He had that feeling about him. Like, I got there when I was young. I'm, I'm good enough to get back there. That's, that's the aura he seemed to carry around and, and what I picked up watching him. Um, and, and that's important, of course. You need that to succeed in golf. You need a little bit of that arrogance. And maybe it's starting to come to fruition now. Hopefully he can carry this run going because he's got a lot of natural talent. As for the other Aussies on the European tour, our friend Mav Ancliffe, I think he might've
2: been about episode four or five that we had Mav on. He uh, had a nice seven under, finished T35, drove the green. That was uh, on, I think, maybe Friday. If you go back and have a look through the European tours content, they do it very well over there. Um, but then pretty tough reading. I mean, the the Kiwi, the adopted Kiwi, Josh Geary missed the cut. and Lawson Missed the cut as well. Um, with a got cutless... hand and Wade
0: Ormsby both missed.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's tough, tough reading. I, I mean, it's been, um, I mean, Jakey McLeod, a bloody good friend of this podcast, who was a ripping episode. Been tough to watch his performances over in, in Europe as well, just be, because they haven't been particularly great. So, hopefully, the Aussies can turn it around on the European tour uh, pretty quickly because we know they're pretty talented. Uh, so mm-hmm. fingers crossed for that to, uh, that to eventuate. Anything else from the kazoo there, Garby?
0: No, I think like, Jakey McLeod's a little bit of a worry now. I mean, like, he's, he's had a little bit of a crack at over in Europe and it hasn't really come through yet. So I hope the anxiety over that doesn't get the better of him and he can stay calm and put in a couple of good finishes. But unfortunately, it's not looking great at the moment for him. And we know he's a super talent too, and um, it seems like a loveliest guy. I just really hope he can get it together. It's just not quite working out for him right now. I mean, Wade Ormsby's done well enough recently that – that cut, I'm sure it will work him a little bit, but shouldn't knock him about too much. Scotty Henn, the same. So experienced. He always bounds, finds a way to bounce back pretty quickly, doesn't he? When he misses a cut, cut yeah. Scotty, he's, he's back up there again. But um, I hope Jake gets some confidence soon because yeah, it's just not quite working out.
2: No, no. I wonder if he might follow in the footsteps of a couple of others that we've seen uh, in Justin Warren, who, who's gone over to the to US and is trying to Monday qualify into PGA tour events. I mean, was it we should, we should touch on him. he, had a, a three footer or not even i think it was half a foot to uh make uh, monday qualify for a pga tour event last week and, and missed um and and then he uh, unfortunately missed out on on that uh, spot on the pga tour event so maybe uh going to head over to the us and uh, i mean look it's very different playing on on the european tour side of things as opposed to the American side of things. And we, we tend to probably have a little bit more success in our game. Maybe aligns a little nicer to the American side. So if he goes to the States, we'd obviously love to see him do very well on the LPGA slash ladies European tour. It was the women's Scottish open. Uh, and this was a, a quite a phenomenal story. Um, Ryan O'Toole uh, who finished at 17 under taking home $225,000 won her first LPGA Tour event in 228 starts, closing with a bogey-free 64 at Dumbarney Links. Just phenomenal, really. 228 right. starts. Uh, and to claim a, a really prestigious event like the Women's Scottish Open on a course like Dumbarney, I mean, I, I put my, couldn't even put myself in, in her shoes to imagine what that must be like. We, we spoke about resilience. 228 uh, 228 starts is, is quite a long time, Garvey.
0: Yeah, I mean I watched a bit of it. The course looked awesome. It just looked mm. like you just were desperate to play it. I mean it was links. Yeah. Links beauty all around. So um yeah, well done to her. Lydia Ko, the Kiwi, another strong finish um finished 40 and under, tied for second, which is great. Um, my mate Steph Kiriaku made the cut. Yes. But, um but six over I've managed to play with Steph in a pro am over the summer. Which was great fun. She's a champion. Just Jeez. such a cool girl. Um, sure you know her pretty well. She's recently well over there. But uh yeah, after making the cut, it, it fell apart for her a bit, which is a shame. She um finished just ahead of Laura Davies, though, which is amazing. There you go. <laughs> it is is a name that you always want to finish ahead of. No, Steph's a superstar, and
2: and you know, having had her on on our uh, show, she speaks so well and and yeah. she really does want to um she wants to be the best in the world, uh, and and she's not afraid to to tell you that she wants to be the best in the world, and, and I kind of admire that about her. I think in Australia we're very quick to tear people down who um, say that they want to achieve great things, a bit of tall poppy syndrome, but she's uh, going to be a phenomenal talent. Um, Catherine Kirk and Sue o both finished T34, the highest of the Aussies, another good friend of this podcast, uh, been a guest a couple of times, was Whitney Hillier, which was fantastic to see her. Wow play so well, uh, finishing at seven under with a, a Sunday 65. So she'll probably rue that Saturday 75, but um, really made up for it today and, and takes a nice little paycheck away as well. So nice some one. good performances uh, from from the Aussies. Um, I guess all in all, a missed cut to, to Hannah Green, which probably, uh, and Minji Lee. I mean, if there's two, two players that you think aren't going to miss the cut um, out of all the Aussies, it's going to be Hannah Green and, and Minji Lee and even Sarah Kemp to, to include her in that.
0: That's probably a hangover from the Olympics, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean, the travel and the high That's of being at Tokyo and then you go to a normal event. That's why I don't like Xander in the in the FedEx mm. Cup. I just think he's going to be a bit of a letdown after the Olympics for him. You know, the gold medal tour that he's probably gone on back home and, you know, it's big events he's playing in, but it's just a natural letdown. I think that can happen. You'd put that in the Minji Lee and, and Hannah Green uh, category, I would think. Well, that's probably all the major tours. I did want to just throw
2: uh, throw one at you. I mean, we're only we're a month away today from the uh, Australian summer kicking off with the uh, NT PGA Championship, and then we come over here to WA. And uh, I mean, what's your what's your sort of thoughts on the Australian summer, Garby? Because I mean, it's looking pretty bleak at this point yeah. in in time. I know we've got a we've got about seven or eight tournaments locked in at this point, but it's going to be hard to see golf being played in Australia given the, the current COVID situation that we're finding ourselves in.
0: They've, they've got to find a way. So I think that you, you can't... The thought of not having an Australian Open, of course there'll be some events that get canned, but the thought of not having an Australian Open two years in a row, I, they've got to find a way to play it. And I know that it becomes a, a monetary issue and that's understandable. And that was the case last year, no doubt. But you've got to find a way. And if it means no crowds, so be it. But you've got to give these guys a chance to go out and compete and put up some money. Mm. You know, I, I just think it would be devastating if it's a whole summer again without tournament golf for the for the Australian players, men and male and female. It's just you actually have last year was you know, you could accept it, but you have an obligation to serve them. Yeah. They can't go and play other tours and all that. This is their, their way through, you have an obligation to put it on for them as the governing body, and how you go about that, I don't know if things stay the same. And even if they even if they improve by November and things opened up a little bit, you know, Channel Seven might have issues because you're not going to get international guys here, right? And you're not going to get our big stars, so they're going to say, "Well, hang on, are we really going to broadcast this event?" Assuming mm-hmm. they've still got the rights, when these guys aren't here, we're going to you know, we're not going to make any money on that. We're going to lose, but they've got to find a way past all that to hold the event.
2: Uh, it's uh, you, we're singing off the uh, same hymn sheet here, Gabby, and uh, I tend to agree. And I think it's, um, I mean, we were really critical last year about the move to, to cancel the Australian PGA and the Australian Open and, and um, a number of other events that just, it gave our local Australian golfers no reason to want to stay in Australia. And now that's obviously getting increasingly tougher with, limits on on being able to come home to australia etc but i think they need to um, and and i'm not certain that it's happening but it, what's the backup situation to this i mean we're a month away from kicking things off in in the northern territory i can't see uh darwin i must admit i'm not up to date with their covid protocols but they're not going to be letting people from new south wales or or victoria into into yeah. the state at, at present so do we need to start to to get players out of states and into Uh, hotel quarantine etc to ensure that we can get a season underway and then is it a matter of well unfortunately we've got to throw everything out at this point that we've got planned things might be okay by november to host the australian open at the australian golf club but what if it's not are we are we going to cancel it two years in a row or can we move it to somewhere where it is able to be played and if we're out of covid hotspots i think that's probably going to be the best option i mean a hub situation is essentially what i'm saying
0: yeah they've got to be completely agile with it, if it means pushing it back from November to February, March, so be it. Um, they've got to put something on. They really do. And you can scrap now having international players. So you're not mm. going to get stars down here no. So you can... No. Th- th- don't even put that into your equation of when's it best to have it, blah, blah, blah. It's not going to happen. Yep. You're, you're a, very unlikely to get our Aussies back as well. I mean, possibly, but unlikely. Right? They're not going to want to quarantine if they have no. to for two weeks either side. So... Yep just focus on serving the Aussie players the best way you can and get to, you know, they should be having these discussions now with or seven and say, let's say we don't have any Aussies there and we don't have any superstars there. Where are you at? What can we do? Can we still put this on TV so that you can just work from the worst case scenario upwards and still have an event because that, that is going to be your number one, James Sutherland and his team, the number one point on the sheet is, We have got to serve our players this summer, our professionals, and put on a tournament for them so they can qualify for other events and earn a bit of money and improve their careers. Just find a
2: way to do it. I completely agree. I completely agree. And if that means moving uh, the the swing of the Vic PGA and the Gippsland Super 6 and and the Australian Open to a state that is open and is allowed to have crowds and, and easier to have players there, then I think that should be the option. This, yeah. this year, you know, we renamed the Vic PGA to something else uh, and play it in South Australia or, or Tasmania, where it can be played. I just think that we need to be agile because uh, we had Aaron Pike, who who won the uh, NP PGA Championship, the defending champion, who's going to go up and defend his title in a month's time. He was on uh, at the end of last year after he won, and he said it was an immensely tough period in his life knowing that this is how he earns money and to say well actually no you can't travel overseas but when we're also not going to host any tournaments here i mean that, that, that's insane i mean yeah. it's like me telling you well garby you actually you're not going to uh, report on any football anymore and then uh, the afl you also can't do that you'd be yeah. sitting here
0: wondering how you're going to make money yeah i mean North australia if they have to should be going to the government and laying out the predicament and saying yeah. you know we need to support these athletes can we have some sort of financial support for the summer can you you two to five million dollars just to get the summer done somehow that should be those should be the discussions if need be i know it's not exactly easy to speak to the government about extra funds right now but legitimately they should be having those discussions um you know can we can we organize something to cater for an element of society that is and the, an element of the Australian sports sector that is that is going to be suffering enormously. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the extent that it should go to, even if that's an unpopular or controversial thing to do, because they've got to do everything in their power to ensure that there are some tournaments in the summer that go ahead. It shouldn't be up to Braith and Astor and his people to put on an event at the last minute like they did last year. Very well, mind you. Golf Australia has got to be, and I hope they have been working the last two months, to do this and capitalise on the golfing boom. Like, it's just the sport's never been more popular since maybe the late 80s, early 90s in Australia than it is now. So you got to have that in your, your mindset as well. Tournaments where people can hopefully stroll around, if not, follow them, watch them as best they can because, yeah, it's just going to hurt the game so much to have another summer without anything. Completely agree. And I think we could do
2: a full separate podcast uh, on this uh, in its entirety because, well, it's an immensely frustrating topic that we have to sit here and have the discussion about again. And and I think you look at many other sports, um, you know, I know there's, there are different resourcing capabilities uh, between footy and, and the other sports that are around the world, but uh, everyone seems to have planned a bit of a backup option for for their seasons and how they're going to get it done. I don't get that sense that that's happening yep. with the with the PGA of Australia at this point in time. I mean, I wouldn't be at all uh, surprised to be sitting here in a month's time talking about how the NT PGA Championship's been cancelled. Yep. Um, so I, I'm nervous uh, for our Aussie players, um, and I truly hope that they can get uh, a season off and running because um, they, they certainly deserve it. But uh, we will be having the Northern Trust. This week, that's uh, the first week of the FedEx Cup playoffs at Liberty National. Nine and a half million dollars up for grabs. DJ, the defending champion. Before we head into the BMW Championship and, of course, the season-ending to a championship. Garvey, mate, it has been a pleasure to have you on as a co-host. Uh, hope you've enjoyed talking uh, a bit of golf with us and um discussing how you see things from the pga tour at the moment and, and plenty of other stuff as well we've covered a, a fair spectrum of things tonight it's been a lot of fun mate and uh, thank you very much for coming on and uh, filling the seat for marshy as uh, he he recovers from a bit of, a bit of illness
0: no, thanks for having me on apologies if i covered stuff that you discussed before i dare say that's no. probably happened at some stage but i really enjoyed it and Yeah. I mean, golf's the savior at the moment. I'm playing tomorrow. We're lucky to play here in Sydney. They may take it away from us soon. You know, the radius is down to five kilometers now. So every couple of weeks, it feels like courses get taken away from you. And it's tough for people. They can't play at the courses. They pay good money to be members at. It's a brutal situation. In other States, you can't play at all. I feel Mm. for Victorians again at the moment. Um, But we're lucky enough to play here. Um, I think that is one sensible decision to. New South Wales government has made in recent times, unfortunately, and they've stuffed things up royally lately. But, you know, that's a sensible one to keep golf going. And can't wait to play tomorrow, playing it as much as I can at the moment before it gets taken away from us potentially. So it's a saviour. So I was happy to in, indulge in that on the podcast with you as well, mate. No, appreciate it. hope you hit them well tomorrow. And uh, to all of our listeners, we thank for
2: you for your ongoing support. Uh, and we are just going to throw to a little... Special announcement that we've uh, alluded to in the last couple of weeks here. So, Garby, thanks for uh, joining us on the nineteenth day podcast, mate. Really appreciate it. And um, we'll certainly chat soon. Best of luck for tomorrow's game. Hope you uh, hit them nice and pure.
0: Well, I hope so. I was actually minus two after six holes. That's nice. Last time I played. (laughs) And then only finished with 37 points. So, I faded a bit in the run home. But I went... I went bogey, eagle, birdie, par-par. So I, I was in a pretty good position. Um, It was great, but uh, then it faded a bit. Hopefully a good one tomorrow. Thanks, mate. Well, as I mentioned at the end there with Garby, it is with great pleasure
2: that we are excited to announce a new partnership here at the 19th T Podcast. We've had some great announcements in the last little while, but I think this one might take the cake. as It's, uh, it's one that is very close to our heart uh, and one that we're very excited to get out and announced uh, and that is that we have a new official social golf club of the 19th tea podcast and they are our good friends from the golf collective and to launch the, the partnership and to give us the rundown and and exactly how things work i'm very excited to welcome hayley and alex from the golf collective thanks for joining us guys
3: thank you for having us we are very excited um, to be the social golf club for the 19th tee and kick this partnership off with a bang
2: as are we so give us the uh the shameless plug i mean this five ten minutes is all about our partnership so we can uh bang on for as long as we want but give us the shameless plug tell us exactly what the golf collective is
3: Beautiful. So here's our little elevator pitch to uh, explain to everyone what we are because it is kind of a bit of a a new concept out there um, that some people might not really know how that works. But basically, the Golf Collective is an online social golf club for golfers that are Australia wide. So we allow people to play in handicap rounds whenever they want, wherever they want and with who they want. Um, When we started up the Golf Collective, we realized that the best bits about playing golf, like getting handicapped, competing against your mates and winning prizes, they were pretty much hidden behind club club memberships. So we thought, how can we bring that to the everyday golfer who maybe doesn't have the time, the money, or they maybe just don't want to join a traditional golf club? Um, So our aim is pretty simple. It's just to get more people playing golf more often. And so what we've done is created fun ways well we think they're fun anyway um on top of just getting handicapped which has really kind of gamified it so you think about people playing xbox call of duty all of those type of things that's really gamified it and got people into it we wanted to see how can we do that for golf and get people interested again Um, so we offer people australia wide leagues their own personal leagues basically whatever they want um and have ongoing order of merits and Order of merits and challenges. Um, so just think, you know, most birdies and around, the greatest handicap reductions, all of those type of things. Um, and we even ran a PGA fantasy league recently, which was really exciting when the Masters was on. Um, and we're just giving out good prizes and getting people to play more golf.
2: You've hit the nail on the head. And I mean, when we reached out initially, this was. You know, we we went onto the website and we certainly saw a little bit of love floating around on social media and, and everything that you've said ticks exactly the boxes that whereabout as a podcast uh, i mean two guys who aren't very good at the game i'm sure Marshy will probably uh agree <laughs> with me in saying that but you know it, it's it's about building a community and i think that's exactly what you're doing and you guys should be commended for that i guess you know you've seen a, a good little bit of growth early early doors and, and hopefully this is the next uh step for you guys so we're, we're really proud to have you guys uh as the official social social golf club one of the things that we've got to discuss is is the handicapping uh now this Mm -hmm. is perhaps probably the the leading thing that i reckon the golf collective can offer people is the fact that you can get a handicap for such a a cheap price and that it will essentially be managed completely by the golf collective and you can submit cards from whenever you play that's an enormous piece of uh it's an enormous advantage that you've got over any other any other online golf clubs
3: Yeah, definitely. That's kind of the main point of difference is that we wanted to create and we just wanted to make it easy for people. So we just want to offer that flexibility. That's our main point of difference and offer handicapping that was a little bit different. So people traditionally, you know, you play on a Sunday afternoon and you've got to be at a golf course playing with um, people you may not know, paying all these fees and all you can do is get your handicap. But we just wanted to make it a bit different. So we offer nine hole handicapping. So you can go and play a quick nine holes after work get that in and use that score from the front nine and then maybe a week or two later you go and play the back nine and that second nine holes we combine them together and that's your 18 holes for handicapping so it's just making it more accessible and just letting anyone enjoy the game of golf and not those people that have got all the time on their hands or you know the retirees or the people with all the money it's just for the everyday golfer
1: I think with that being a golf coach myself, there's so many beginner golfers that are so close to really catching that bug that we all talk about as golfers, but sometimes they just lack that little bit of motivation to want to get out there and play a bit more. So I think the ability to just log on, you know, tell us whereabouts you're going to play, play with whoever you want, and then get handicapped for that. You begin to see this improvement firstly through your handicap, but also through wanting to play more, which is I think where we've kind of trying to come to the party
3: yeah definitely and it's super simple we try and make it as easy as possible for our members to play so pretty much all they do is they log on to our website they nominate us so they they nominate that they're playing around so they have to you know you can't just rock up to a golf club um and have the 18 holes of your life and use that for handicapping likewise if you have a shocker of a round you still have to use that as your handicap so just nominate that you're playing say tomorrow or in the future You let us know what golf club you're playing at, what tee you're off, and then we just do the rest. So you get a text message the night before letting you know how to log in. And on the day, people use a mobile app to score. So it's super simple. And at the end of the night, we just send everything off for handicapping. So the next day, if you're playing, it's all set up and ready to go. Um, and then the scores that you have, they don't only just get handicapped, but we also automatically add them to our challenges and our order of merits that we were talking about that we run. Um, so without even having to do anything, people are competing for these prizes. Um, some of which we have given away drivers, putters, performance packs, um, free golf lessons with coaches of whoever they want and just heaps of stuff like that, which makes it really enjoyable.
2: I love the fact that it's all uh, digital scoring because I think that's the way that things are going and and even reading that if uh, if things don't work out with the the digital scoring you can complete a paper scorecard send it through to you guys and it can all still work I think you know you've certainly uh, found a niche in the market here and that's that's absolutely massive and we're really proud to be uh, on board with you guys and uh, get more people playing golf get more people with a handicap because I think that makes uh, the rounds a little bit more fun as well you can. Start to have competitions with your mates, um, and, and really play for a couple of bucks if uh, if that's what tickles your fancy. But I think one of the big things that uh, is going to get in the ears of this list of this uh, uh, these podcast listeners, I should say, is the discount code that uh, is going to be applicable, which is nineteenth t, so 19 h t double e, and that will get you nineteen dollars off your annual membership. Uh, when you use that it's super affordable from the very beginning anyway uh guys so um you've ticked the affordability box and then our listeners get a special uh discount for having listened as well so we're Absolutely. super pumped to have you on board and um we're really really excited to see where um our partnership goes as a we, yeah. and thanks
1: for having us it's it's
2: it's an awesome thing we're looking forward to thanks guys we'll, uh, we'll be, you'll be hearing plenty of this to our listeners uh, you're going to be hearing uh, plenty of chat about the Golf Collective over the coming months and years as this partnership continues to grow we're, we're really excited so uh, Alex and Hayley thanks so much for jumping on and having a chat to us we're really excited to get this partnership launched and uh, we can't wait to see everything that comes from it and um, we, we look forward to seeing everyone on the course with a handicap uh, playing under the Golf Collective's
1: name Thanks for having us, Roots.
3: Beautiful. Thank you.